I'm Fionn Wright, your China Dream coach for entrepreneurs and executives. Welcome to season one of the Your China Dream Virtual Summit. In this episode, I talk to Greg Nance, CEO and founder of Dia.com and an ultra marathon runner. He's a man on a mission and has already helped students earn over $27 million in scholarships. But he's not stopping there. He's about to run seven marathons in seven days on seven continents to help students overcome financial barriers to college. His passion and perseverance are absolutely legendary and I always get pumped up when I talk to him. I hope you do too. Hi, my name is Greg Nance. I'm the CEO of Dia.com and my number one piece of advice to achieve your China dream is best team wins. The only way that you're going to achieve your big vision, your mission, is to find the right elite local talent to equip them and align them. And with their industriousness, their hardworking, their creativity, they're gonna blow you away with their capacity to solve the biggest problems quicker than you could have imagined. To achieve your China dream, best team wins. Thanks for coming here today, Greg, and sort of being here for the interview. Absolutely, my pleasure. So what I'd like to start with is for those people who are watching who don't necessarily know who you are mm. or what it is that Diet does, mm. if you do maybe a quick self-introduction, um, maybe you know, between two and three minutes around Absolutely. that, um, to give us an idea of what are you doing here in China. Absolutely. My name is Greg Nance. I'm from Seattle, USA, and I'm an entrepreneur working to expand education access. My passion is connecting young people with mentors to help them think through the big next steps in their life, help them follow their smile by finding the thing they're passionate about. And I've been working on this challenge for the last 10 years across two countries, the US first in Chicago while working on moneythink.org. It's a financial capability mobile app that helps college, uh, helps college applicants in real time get scholarship advice so they can pay for college. College is really expensive in the US, especially for uh, lower middle class and working class families, huge obstacle that we're trying to help folks overcome. And so uh, we've helped about 15,000 students now over uh, the last decade through MoneyThink and uh, grown as we go. Uh, from that experience, realized, hey, I want to do this uh, on an even bigger kind of global stage, global scale, and China's the perfect place to actually launch off on this. And so after a year of business school in England, came up with the idea for dyad.com, and we're a mentorship platform that helps Chinese students primarily think through their college application strategy, think about how education can fuel their biggest goals, their biggest dreams. And now we have a platform with 100 plus mentors actually overseeing the holistic development of young people, not only in China, but actually in 26 countries now. Um, and the thing that we're most passionate about is helping families that uh, didn't think they could actually afford to send their child abroad uh, to actually earn scholarships. And so we've, uh, at Diet.com, we've now helped students earn over 25 million US dollars wow. in scholarship awards. And so really, really passionate about that because I myself am a scholarship student. I was only able to attend my dream schools, U Chicago, and then uh, Cambridge University with the help of scholarships. And so big mission to pay it forward and really, really grateful that I have an amazing team that's helping me uh, accomplish that. Um, so you mentioned a little bit there about using China as a platform to mm. sort of grow and be able to reach out to more people. Um, I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into like, why China specifically? Mm. Why did you come in the first place? And then why have you stayed? Uh, so f for me, I I'm from uh, Seattle. And on the West Coast, China has a really big influence. So literally age five, I'm swimming in the Puget Sound with my dad. Big ship rolls by, huge waves come in, and I'm, wow, I'm awestruck. That's just amazing. Where is that ship from? It's the biggest boat I've ever seen. 
dad goes home, we points out at the globe that's from China, and he tells me a little bit about where a lot of the stuff at our, our local store, the supermarket, where it comes from China. And from age five, interested in that. I had a teacher of Chinese uh, ethnicity. Uh, we celebrate Chinese New Year in my kindergarten class. Uh, got a red envelope. Wow, that's so interesting. Learned about this culture from far away. I, years later, I got into high school debate, and my favorite topics were uh, China's economy, China's rise, China's foreign policy, uh, learning more about these issues. Uh, uh, got into university, studied international relations, had a chance to write a bachelor's thesis about the China-American uh, foreign policy relationship and suggested ideas for how these countries could work more closely together. And uh, had an amazing time researching this and coming up with ideas. At the end of that thesis I wrote though, I realized, hey, I've got a lot of book smarts on China now, but what do I really know about China, about Chinese people, about their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations? And I realized, not as much as I want. And uh, from that moment, thought of, hey, how can I how can I get to China? How can I uh, have opportunities there? Um, got my first taste with a three-week uh, foreign policy fellowship at Tsinghua University in Beijing, and it was amazing. Just meeting real, uh, you know, the real incredible young Chinese that were young scholars with similar interests of mine. The China-American relationship, super fascinating. Connected with Chinese professors, uh, did a little bit of uh, writing about the experience and and reflecting. And on the last night in my little diary, I wrote. You know, I've got to find another excuse to get back here. Like this, this place is just amazing. I can't wait. And it took me another couple of years, but in uh, early 2012, I was working uh, uh, as a business school student at, uh, at Cambridge with a professor who basically challenged me. Hey, you've talked about your curiosity for uh, uh, for emerging markets, uh, particularly with China. Put together a, a business plan. Like what could you do that combines your interest in education access with technology, with mentorship, with China? And I uh, started doing a little bit of reading and I realized, wow, like, there's a huge industry, the study abroad agencies, that as I learned more about it, whoa, like, this is full of academic fraud, it's full of uh, deceit, and uh, it, it's full of inefficiencies, uh, and there's only one winner in the system. It's the actual agent. The student loses, um, the universities lose, society loses, because you're not actually creating a meritocratic system to help people uh, earn opportunities. and. From that moment, it began crystallizing. So I looked for an opportunity and decided to jump at it. In uh, September 5th, 2012, got off the jet in Shanghai and for uh, for the last stretch, I've been working hard day by day by day to put together a workable model based on the mission to expand education access, connecting Chinese students with mentors, help them apply successfully and earn scholarships to their dream school. And I've stayed because China is the most dynamic society that I've been a part of. It's uh, every day brings new challenges. It brings new obstacles and new opportunities. And as a, as a young guy with a vision, it's the perfect place to put together the resources, put together the amazing team. Uh, and things just move so quickly here. It's an exciting place to be. And it's one where the bigger your dream, the bigger your ambition, the bigger your, your vision, things can happen so quickly here. You can really um, kind of bat above your league uh, in a quick way, and that part's been just really inspiring for me and my colleagues. One of the things I've noticed about people outside of China when they look in is they don't tend to have a very good understanding of what's happening in here. Like sometimes mm. I think people in China have a decent understanding of what's happening in the West, mm. but when it's Westerners often looking at China, um, we're limited access to what we really know about. So I'm wondering, what are some of the assumptions that you had about China mm. that when you came here turned out to be false or not quite the way you thought? And how has your understanding of China changed over the past few years here? 
a great question and one that I was uh, worried about because I thought I knew so much, but oh, does this match reality? And there were a few things that struck me in particular. Um, number one, I had the false perception that uh, you know, made in China meant low quality or it meant just pure copycat business strategies. Um, that was shook for me very quickly. That I think the Chinese are enormously um, uh, innovative, creative, and hardworking uh, to the point where there are rapid iterations and the ability to uh, to leapfrog a lot of Western uh, technology is, is apparent. And anyone that's ridden uh, dockless bikes or has used uh, WeChat or mobile payments can attest to that. And the, the, the rapid innovative uh, quality of, of uh, Chinese entrepreneurs and Chinese business people, Chinese society. Um, a second thing that I was uh, concerned about initially was, you know, as an American, there's been a lot of kind of strife in the South China Sea, issues over Taiwan. Will I be welcomed in China, or will I be a bit of a pariah or an outcast? And uh, though I think the gov you know the governments of China and the U.S. will continue to butt heads a bit, uh, it's been the opposite reaction at a people-to-people -people level. Um, I have you know I've had the, the the blessing of traveling to many places now. China remains the most hospitable. Um, a place that I've had the chance to, to visit. Um, I can give you a number of examples of on a, a cold winter day being offered tea by a stranger or you know, I forgot my, my wallet once and someone offers to pay for my, you know, my lunch there. I've uh, been welcomed to so many homes as, as a virtual stranger and uh, that's, that really makes you feel warmly welcomed in a place where it can feel so different but at the same time you feel like you have your place and uh, you're appreciated uh, for those differences and that really, really surprised me. Um, uh, as I got going, um, another uh, another element that uh, that surprised me was uh, you hear as a Westerner, oh, there's no freedom of speech, or there's there's limited uh, you know different differing viewpoints in Chinese society. And um, I will say it's a different system, of course, than we might be used to in uh, in the West. But um, I have many many friends that have remarkably different perspectives on China's uh, future, on China's growth, on China's trajectory. Uh, many of them, you know, applaudatory toward the direction. Others with, hey, like, here's how I would do it differently. And so there's a, there's a lot more freedom of mind and uh, freedom of sharing than, than I was initially expecting. And that's led to some really great discussions and better understanding that there is no monolith here in China. There's 1.3 billion people. And in my view, there's uh, somewhere near 1.3 billion different viewpoints, opinions, and life stories. And the richness and the diversity there has been uh, really inspiring for me to learn about uh, as you go. Because within different parts of China, you'll have radically different views. Um, I, I'm a mountain climber, I'm a runner, and getting out west is where some of my favorite adventures have happened. And climbing in Yunnan, hearing about you know various villagers and their view of Chinese development, and uh, you know, isn't aren't these mountains you know exquisite? Isn't this beautiful? And I said, well, those mountains are also keeping us poor. Like I wish I could get my products to port more quickly. Whoa, like wouldn't have guessed that. Like, this is so. This is a magical place. Uh, and, and simultaneously, in Shanghai, you know, people long for blue skies and for forests and for mountains. And so th there's, a, there's an interesting element here of uh, this aspirational element in society where um, some folks from, uh, from the West uh, aspire to uh, Eastern livelihood and the affluence that comes with that. And some folks that are now uh, very successful professionals in, uh, along the Eastern Seaboard, they long for some of the simplicity of uh, further inland and how their parents or grandparents may have grown up. So it's a society longing for uh, both the past, the present, and the future. And that, that part really uh, fascinates me and, and definitely uh, surprised me some of the depth there of those feelings. Well, having been doing business here over the last years in China, uh, what would you say are some of the main obstacles that you've come across and how did you overcome them? Mm. I think the, uh, the first obstacle that I faced was 
just zero momentum. Um, I, I didn't really even know which way was up or down uh, as you get started, and you're you're really trying to find those first users for your website. You're trying to find that first customer, and until you've got momentum, it's a, a huge, onerous kind of Sisyphusian task. Showing up to your desk each day with your bank account dwindling and uh, your your user base still literally zero, it's uh, it can feel really really daunting, and so. That was definitely a big obstacle. The way that I uh, approached that was uh, three words, luck, surface, area. I knew that I've got to get lucky. This isn't going to fix itself. There's there's no magic involved. It's going to be a lot of sweat to get uh, to get this going. And so started saying yes to every invitation. So meet a, uh, meet a friend who then asked me out for a coffee. Yes, let's do it. Uh, get offered an invitation to come to, to lunch or to dinner. Yes, let's do it. Get offered the opportunity to attend a little uh, uh, technology conference. Yes, I'm in. Let's do it. Um, and after uh, a couple dozen yeses, well, all of a sudden, get our first users coming. Our videos start getting shared by a few folks. Um, uh, kind of a, a, an amazing day. We get our first client, get our first revenue coming through. And so those facing zero momentum, China and elsewhere, uh, think luck surface area. You got to put yourself in a position to get lucky. Um, a second big obstacle faced was uh, just a lack of a cultural understanding, a lack of linguistic capacity. You know, I came knowing Ni Hao and Shisha. Hello and thank you. And the result of that was, uh, I think, was actually fortunate in one respect, which it was so obvious and glaring my, my limitation there, my weakness. And I knew that I, I really had to put together uh, a team to, to, to address this challenge and to, to overcome this obstacle. And so my uh, uh, the second kind of way we proceeded was on three words, best team wins. I knew, look, the only way we're going to go anywhere here is putting up the best possible team and then uh, equip this top-notch talent with uh, aligned on our mission, on our vision, build a model that really works and quickly iterate based off that. And so uh, these were two of the biggest obstacles from uh, from day one and luck surface area and a best teams wins kind of mentality were the only way that we overcame those early obstacles. One of the difficulties I hear from entrepreneurs a lot here is finding the right people. Mm. Um, what is your hiring process like and how do you decide um, this is someone that we're going to take on board and, and work with full time? Yeah, so it, big challenge in China and I think everywhere. Um, for me, quantity drives quality and so I really like to meet a lot of folks. I like to get out, share more about diet and what we're working on. And at the end of those events, you'll frequently have half a dozen or a dozen conversations with someone that wants to learn more, could see themselves contributing to your mission. And so uh, quantity drives quality. I love meeting folks that are also into education access, that are also fascinated by technology's power to solve problems, and are interested in our kind of uh, professional and personal development philosophies that are part of what we do at dyad.com. And from those early conversations, um, you know, we, we aim to fast track folks um, and get them actually contributing. And so. I'm a big fan of actually uh, having our team leads within the team, having the opportunity to, to chat with someone, and once we have thumbs up across the uh, across the room, we'll actually move forward with a trial project. And so at this stage, it's very much show us what you can do because the different there's a big difference between being able to to interview in a polished fashion or say some of the right things or even have a, a series of you know excellent credentials leading up to this point, and then also contributing proactively in diet. We're really fast moving. We have a peculiar culture that works really well for us. And we need to figure out if uh, you're going to align well with that and contribute there. And there's no substitute for actually making a contribution. And so every single team member begins with a trial project 
where they're doing part of what they'd be doing on a daily basis, showcasing their strengths and also their learning opportunities. And that gives us a much more uh, three-dimensional kind of holistic view of where this person's currently at and a view of their potential trajectory with us. Um, we're not, you know, we have actually just one layer of management in the company, so it's, it's very, very flat as we grow. And so we need folks that can basically uh, work really well and efficiently on the front line. They can also manage their own workflow as they go, can set goals and then hold themselves accountable, all while being able to operate in a really fast moving, kind of high pressure, high stress environment at times, all with a smile. Because uh, we're, we're upbeat, we're positive energy, and you need folks to really fit well with that. And so um, quantity drives quality. Look for people that uh, are drawn to that mission to expand education access that are excited about technology and its future for innovation and to solve social problems. And simultaneously, uh, people that smile easily, that are a pleasure to be around, that are excited uh, each and every day, that are creative and that bring that energy. And I find that formula when you find it, it can be magical because when you put enough folks like that together that are all rowing in the same direction, you can't stop a team like that. And it goes back to best team wins. That's Those are the critical ingredients, the magical elixir that really brings it together. As you've grown, right? you started with few and then you've grown to how many employees now? We've got about 27. 27 yeah, people here now. at HQ, yeah. Um, uh, how did that process happen, the scaling? Right? Like, when did, what were the points that you hit that you decided we need more people? Um, and then also um, deciding in terms of Chinese employees versus foreigners. Mm. How, did that, how did that happen? Yes, okay. initially it was wearing every hat. It's where you're, you're both the chief executive officer and also the chief janitor um, and everything in between uh, to make it happen. And um, at those early stages, my real mentality is, hey, I've got to figure out how to actually crack this nut. How do I solve the problem? And once I figure out, partially how to solve this, how can I enlist a someone who would be better at this and smarter than me to, to take it to that next level. Now there's a little bit of a roadmap here as we go, um, simultaneously balancing with, there are certain aspects of the business I have no clue how to do. Like I just don't know how to do Chinese campus marketing. I don't know how to do high quality video production um, and the list goes on and on and on. And so for me, I, I really, really like to, uh, to fail cheap. And so my mentality was usually to find a, a Chinese college student who would come on as kind of an associate level in what we call interns. And uh, for, you know, 1,200 to 1,800 RMB per month would basically come in a couple of days a week and help me out on that particular discipline where they're really good. And so I found a really, really good uh, uh, video producer. Awesome, I need help on that in a big way. They're able to help me, you know, twice a week. Uh, they're getting a good learning experience. I'm getting, you know, some of the content that's gonna help us spread the word and evangelize on what we're up to. Um, I really need someone that can, can pick up the phone and talk to a Chinese parent uh, before we're able to sign off on a new uh, scholar, what we call a client here at Diet. And uh, this person is trying to learn sales skills. They happen to be a freshman in college, but they're really good on the phone. Awesome, you're hired, let's check this out. You've passed your trial project. And so, pardon me, there's, a, uh, there's an element here of uh, really giving young people an opportunity. Um, and it, the alignment there is really, really strong, I think, because that's within my price range. It's someone that's trainable and coachable and hungry to learn. They're ambitious, they're energetic. It's their first working environment. And so you can actually sculpt them a little bit that, hey, this is just how we do things here at Dyad. And there's less resistance than someone that may have worked at, at Baidu or Alibaba or Tencent who incredible credentials, brilliant, high level contributor, although maybe has a little bit of difficulty rolling up the sleeves and, and playing on the front line the way that we need. So ultimately, We've given, you know, out of the 27 here, several started on as, as interns during their collegiate days. And now, two, three, four years later, they're actually leading teams. You know, our, uh, 
Our product manager is a very, very recent college graduate, now leading a team of five developers. Because for the last two and a half years, he's been doing a phenomenal job as an engineer and building that toolkit. And you know, we take great pride in actually coaching up and developing each and every one of our colleagues. So we, we hire really, really strong talent that usually doesn't have very much experience, but we can identify you've got the right traits here. And if we invest in you over the next year, two, three, and four, you're gonna make outsized contributions for us. And so that's really our, our method um, to this. Um, different companies will have a different kind of operating philosophy and operating system, although this one's worked really well for us. Um, and then in terms of the, like the spread, right? Out of 27 people, like how many foreigners do you have? Uh, we've got, um, so we, we actually have folks from uh, several, you know, several different passport holders, ranging from uh, mainland China, Taiwan, Vietnam, Russia, Pakistan, and U.S. Oh. So six different nationalities and I believe five different native tongues, ranging oh, wow. from English, Spanish, Mandarin, uh, Vietnamese, and Russian. That's very um, useful. And, and Pashtun as well. So yeah, it, it is. So you need to have a... Uh, um, with that diversity, it's really critical to, to prioritize communication. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, so we have what we call the dyad lexicon, and it's a peculiar set of, uh, of our language here. And so we don't have a sales team, we have an enrollments team. We don't have a marketing team, we have a recruitments team. We don't have an operations team, we have a scholar success team. Don't have an IT team, we have a product team. And you know, it's, it's actually a five-page kind of glossary, but the beauty about this is that all of us, just, you know, whether you're speaking Pashtun, uh, Vietnamese, English, or Spanish, is your first language, well, you know how we speak and how we directly communicate here at Dyad, and that's been a remarkable way to flatten our organization, bust through silos, and actually move a lot faster and with way higher trust and accountability as well. Perfect. People who are watching, you know, they see Dyad and they hear about your story, and they're like, wow, that sounds really inspirational, and they want to learn more, you know, maybe they're trying to figure out how they can get involved or okay. collaborate or something like that. What are the opportunities that are existing at the moment with Diet? Yeah, we, we here at Diet believe the best team wins. So we're always recruiting, looking for the best possible talent. And we have a lot of opportunities, especially for those aiming to learn more about China, to get their feet wet in China and to potentially to relocate in China. Um, we are hiring both for our enrollments team to meet with families and students, learning about their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations connecting them to the right university programs and the right scholarship opportunities, along with opportunities for our mentor team, both here in Shanghai HQ, along with anywhere on the planet. Work anytime, anywhere, from a cafe, from, a, uh, from your office, from your, your dorm room, from your, uh, uh, from your apartment, for the opportunity to actually change the direction of someone's life by being a role model and inspiration, guiding them step by step by step, all while earning $40 per hour. So I think it's a perfect opportunity for someone to actually get plugged in, learn more about China, start building a network and resources. And we'd love for that opportunity to actually connect. And the best way to do so is actually email me, greg, G-R-E-G, -E at dia.com. I'll learn more about you and your background, your goals, and see if there's a fit, because we'd love to build the best possible team to solve this huge challenge of expanding education access. Having come here, not being able to speak more than two words of Chinese, um, how important have you felt is learning the language and getting in touch with the culture here? I think it is really important, and I think it's important for perhaps a counterintuitive reason, less for the direct communication with colleagues or clients, um, because I think a lot of those conversations, at least in our industry, still happen best in English, where we can fully articulate because a colleague's English is near fluent. Uh, my Chinese is still 
uh, intermediate and slowly improving. Um, that said, I think it is important though because of it shows that you care. It shows that you're here, uh, that you're actively engaged, that you're a member of the community. And though you're, uh, you know, you're still limited in that capacity, you, you're invested, and you, you are, uh, you're here with a smile, and you're enthusiastically, um, you know, progressing in that journey as you go. And I think Chinese are very, very kind of open and acknowledging of the challenge and learning a language so different. And many have high empathy because they've been learning English and struggling with that, which is a totally different language uh, the other way as well. So I would say it's really, really important. To, uh, to make time for that study and to make it fun too. So whether it's working with uh, colleagues or collaborators or just uh, some kind of a Chinese circle or Chinese uh, lunch date that you have a couple times a week, those little, little things, they show you care, they immerse you better and they will also help kind of uh, bridge the gap of cultural understanding as you go. How did you, how did you come into your niche, right? Like you had this idea for diet.com. Mm -hmm. Did it come as a fully fleshed out idea and how has it changed depending on how you've seen the market grow and change here. Yeah, so it's it has evolved many times over. So I knew, I had a North Star beginning, which was I'm passionate about expanding education access. And so that's been the mission from day zero, but uh, the model has, has, has been emergent. So it initially began as a pilot program for my Cambridge dorm room. And it was a, kind of a part of a class project to see if I could actually get something going. Um, and the initial iteration was actually doing a, a academically honest proofreading on personal statements. Because I learned that, look, most Zhangjia study abroad agencies, they'll just write an essay for you, they'll turn it in for you without you even seeing the contents. Um, that, that to me is crazy because you actually can learn so much through the struggle of articulating your own personal vision. Really, really challenging, definitely, but worth every moment of effort, in my view. And so we wanted to build a, a pilot program around that. And so, you know, charging between 49 and 199 US dollars, we would provide you know, varying levels of service with a Cambridge University um, student or graduate, depending on your budget, would kind of help oversee this process. And um, the pilot program was uh, was successful. We were able to earn you know twenty thousand uh, dollars. Wow! Like this is you know, incredible. I feel just amazing about this. There's an opportunity here. And so we were actually the first group to offer that kind of DIY style edits, which felt really great. We realized that hey, our impact is still is still limited. It's still relatively niche. How can we do this at a bigger level? And then came the second era, which was uh, informational and inspirational content. Think uh, you know, short five-minute videos on how to write a captivating personal statement, or how does an admissions officer read your application, or what does a recommendation letter need to look like? Uh, very, very kind of bite-sized, but guide you in the right direction and accompany that with our first kind of blog. We call them uh, Diet Insights. And as we began sharing this, well, all of a sudden our reach began to grow. It felt really, really good and felt really exciting. We then started stacking more services together and innovating to kind of the next level. As groups see our DIY, they begin kind of copying that model. And so it's up to us now to say, hey, how do we actually expand the impact? And so we were able to uh, um, to, to batch more of these uh, these services and begin working with you not only in the two weeks before you apply, but hey, how about the two months and four months? And over time, we extend the, uh, the tenure there up to two and three years now with more holistic mentorship and development before you've even uh, figure out where you're applying or what you'll apply for. We want to make you a stronger version of yourself and give you more direction and guidance and holistic development. Um, and so at every turn, as we've continued evolving with more of a scholarships focus now, more of a holistic development focus, we've you know, innovated the model and how we actually pull this off. There's now a, a high-powered technology platform behind this 
There's now integrated content, uh, flipped classroom style, where you can actually learn a lot before your mentor lesson. And you now have the chance to work with up to seven mentors on your journey for different role models to actually inspire you in different ways um, as we go forward. And so, uh, yes, the model has evolved significantly, but we're true to our mission. We're trying to expand education access, and we we back that up with scholarships. So we've helped students earn more than 25 million U.S. dollars in scholarships, and we provide pro bono services for uh, for numerous scholars that would otherwise be unable to afford uh, this life-changing opportunity. One of the things that I think can come as a shock to people about the Chinese market is how quickly it changes and how much is happening here, the speed of business. Mm. Um, like when you started WeChat, probably it wasn't that big of a thing, and now it's everything. Right? Yep. So how do, you, how do you make decisions that are important for the future of your company, like when you're thinking long-term, okay, this is a decision we're making today, but it's gonna have an impact, mm. when you know the speed of your business is changing so fast. Absolutely, so we actually predate WeChat, that's how old we are, so we were on RinRin.com, the Chinese version of Facebook, that uh, uh, kind of hit its peak in 2011, 2012, and so we were, uh, that was kind of our first wave, uh, even way back then, and I remember hearing about WeChat, um, and thinking, huh, like, playing around with a little bit and like, wow, this, this could actually be something because it's a very, very smooth way to, to message your, your buddies and to share photos. And um, that's basically what it was back then. And obviously it's so much more today, but um, our mentality is always, we're going to um, split our, uh, we're going to have one eye on what's working now and we're going to keep investing in kind of, we call it copyright. So we'll copy the thing that's worked really well for us, keep doing it, um, the tried and true as we go. Simultaneously, the other eye is on exploration. What's ahead? What are we, what's like the next innovative step that we can take to keep at least one step ahead of the, the folks nipping at our heels? And, you know, we were one of the first, um, if not the first uh, you know, group focused on study abroad education to actually have a WeChat channel and to be building a following there. And that, uh, that first step is, is useful because you start learning more about a uh, platform and its parameters as you go. We have the same approach to uh, webinar platforms. Every couple weeks or months, there's a new venture-backed webinar platform. And we do a ton of video. It's part of our social mission. We don't actually charge a dime for, uh, for attendance because we want to help people that want to help themselves. And that's, uh, that's our approach to webinars. And we're always trying to find what's the hot new platform that has the best functionality, the lowest bandwidth requirement. So we try a lot of these simultaneously using you know, the tried and true as we go as well. And that'd be advice I'd have for other entrepreneurs pursuing your China dream. You've got to figure out what's working for you. Invest in that, certainly, but don't get caught flat-footed. And as soon as the next big thing is the next big thing, you're 10 steps behind a competitor who, who tried it out when they first heard of it. So uh, as an entrepreneur, it's, you're always juggling. you got so much to do. But uh, for me, maybe it's a Friday afternoon or a Saturday morning over coffee. I'll uh, you know download a couple new apps, just play around a little bit, and I'll send over to our recruitment team or to our enrollment team, hey, check this out. This might be worth our time. They'll do more of a deep dive on it, but at the very least, you're showing that you, you're, you are attentive to what's ahead. And I think that engenders uh, an appreciation for that innovative culture that we've really sought to build over five plus years here. So having established yourself here in the industry, um, but knowing China and that it's continuing to grow, what would you say are some of the untapped opportunities that still exist here for people who are starting to think of setting up their own thing now? Yeah, so I think uh, one lamentation I've heard a number of times, you know, even back in, in 2012 when I first uh, set up shop, I heard, oh, if only I was here five years ago. Um, and I've, I've heard that, uh, you know, you hear that uh, at, at almost every reception with someone that's relatively new that has this idea that feels like 
they've been crowded out of their opportunity. And I think uh, the, the flip side of that is things have never been better uh, for a uh, for a, an expat entrepreneur here or any entrepreneur in that the, the government is putting a ton of resources more and more and more each and every day behind entrepreneurs. Uh, in this little district of Shanghai, Wujiaqian, there's tons of government grants that we've you know, we've tapped into. We got 100,000 RMB of seed funding that uh, no strings attached. It was literally a grant to, hey, we're glad you're in Wujiaqian you know, Godspeed kind of deal. It's like, wow, like literally free money as an entrepreneur. That's just amazing. Six months of free office space over here. So those opportunities are more and more plentiful every day. Uh, and so it's never been better from a resource standpoint. The funding ecosystem has never been better. I mean, the number of venture shops, angel shops that are, that are coming up is just incredible. So if you've got an idea that you're pursuing, fantastic. Go network, go meet some folks. They are looking to write, uh, court, you know, 250,000 million RMB checks. Go, go find it, go get it. Um, simultaneously, there's so much talent in this marketplace that startups went from being, oh, I'm sorry that you couldn't find a real job, to being something that's like, wow, that's really great. Tell me more about this. And even the, you know, Chinese moms, dads, and uh, and nine eyes are getting behind it as well. So, get uh, uh, from a talent perspective, it's never been better. And then from a uh, kind of a consumer maturation standpoint, consumers are more and more willing to try the cool new thing, uh, and that's getting better and better each and every day. So. There's, I think, a bountiful, plentiful opportunities, and you know, there, there are number there are a number of entrepreneurs now that have exited or they gotten funding that are now you know, looking to mentor and to support and to encourage. And so, I think it's incumbent on us as entrepreneurs trying to find our path to go out there and meet folks. Um, I talk a lot about luck surface area, and I'm, I'm always encouraging our team. We got to get lucky. Let's make our luck luck surface area, and that's one of my my core messages to other entrepreneurs too. We, we're going to make our own luck, and we're going to do it by getting out there and hustling. And so, roll up the sleeves. Uh, get out there, meet folks, and it's a blessing that you're here today, 2018, hustling in Shanghai. So um, one of the things that I know you're famous for is that you run as well, an ultra marathon runner. Uh, like I've seen crazy stuff across the Gobi Desert, you know, across Malaysia. Um, you swim as well. So all sorts of these sort of different endurance activities. Um, and it, sometimes you see that at the very highest level, like I hear about Richard Branson and he's a big adventurer too. Mm. So what's the connection there between your business and this, this other whole side of your life? Yeah, so it is a huge passion of mine. and. It, uh, I think there's a direct connection. For me, it's, it's kind of two levels. On one level, I think it's the perfect metaphor for startup life and startup leadership. In order to be successful, building a new venture, building a business, building an organization of your dreams, it's, it's a marathon. It's not gonna be one sprint and now it's done. It's really the tenacity to stay at it, to persevere and to push past obstacles and to turn those into opportunities. And I think in a lot of ways, that's the mind frame of an endurance runner, an endurance athlete. You've gotta push past setbacks during training. You've gotta get up early in the morning or stay up late at night to, to get your training and get those miles logged as you go. And I think that's the attitude that um, I bring to, to CEO and diet.com. And it's the attitude that more and more of our team is kind of embracing too with uh, by drinking the Kool-Aid as we go. And so I think it's a powerful metaphor. Uh, second, on a, on a very tactical level, it's also my best thinking time. So when you're CEO or a, a senior leader at a startup, every question seems to come to you. Hey, what should we do with this? What should we do with that? The number of decisions I make in a given day is uh, in the easily in the dozens, um, upper upper nineties. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I think in a lot of days. And at the same time, the best thinking time I have to myself to work through those one or two or three big strategic challenges or that big decision point 
it's that three or four or five hour training block where I'm just pumping out mile after mile after mile, thinking through this one kind of hairy challenge, this Gordian knot on my desk. And more times than not, by, by 7.30, 8 a.m. as I'm finishing this run, getting ready to head in the office, I've got pretty clear kind of action items on that. Uh, and I know how I'll proceed with that. So instead of kind of being a deer in headlights frozen on that decision, I'm able to do kind of, I think, what my most important job, help make the decision and then put the resources behind how we're going to execute that effectively. And so running has been uh, wonderful in that respect, along with just managing my own psychology, keeping me healthy, keeping me fit, keeping me smiling despite like the stresses of day-to-day -day battle in a startup. So it, uh, it really plays to, to each of those angles. And it's, a, it's also a fun way to break up my calendar too. So I'm, I work seven days a week because uh, I, I love what I do. And at the same time, every couple months, I'm gonna go out and race. I'm gonna go out and uh, a lot of these are two or three day events and that'll be my long weekend. And I'll come back, I'll share photos with the team, a couple of lessons learned, and uh, then have a chance to share that with some of our scholars. Film uh, a little bit about the meaning behind a little bit of this to, to kind of rally our troops and get folks uh, thinking about their big goals. We're all about goal setting here at diet.com. Everyone in the company has a list of personal and professional goals. Everyone of our scholars does as well. And be, me by sharing this, it, I think it takes on a new life form where you say, ah, oh, like, hey, even like the CEO is doing this, like I should too set some goals, work toward them as I go. And that keeps us much more balanced because we're, we're very holistic in our development of each and every team member, each and every scholar as we go. And this is one way I try to lead by example. That's perfect. So the the, the work-life balance thing is, is a big problem. And especially here in China, I find yeah. that yes. there's just so much happening, stuff happens so quick. It's easy to allow yourself to get distracted and to get overwhelmed. Yep. Um, so what would you say for people who are like getting into it and they just find like, oh, I have no time to go train, right? Like who has time for the gym or to work out or to have that balance? Um, how do you make sure that that's an integral part of your life? Yeah, so I start with a uh, the rocks in my life, like the biggest pieces that just have to be there. So I've learned as I've gotten a little bit older that uh, I need my sleep. And so one thing that's just a non-negotiable in my calendar, eight hours of sleep. And so no matter how else things are shaken, I've got to get those eight hours because any anytime I'm hacking into that time, the next day I just pay for it mm -hmm. and I pay for it in a big way. So I, I literally start with that. When am I getting my sleep? And I, I find the more I have a fixed uh, kind of bedtime and wake time, uh, that's my first step as I go. As silly as that sounds and as elementary as it is, it's, it's been a powerful multiplier for my productivity. Uh, from there, I know that, look, I've got to be eating right and I've got to be treating my body right because I, I require so much from my body and brain. I've got to be like putting in you know, the foundation there for any of this to, uh, to be possible. And so I'm, I'm making sure that I'm uh, getting the right nutrition. I'm making sure I'm getting, uh, for me, the right, the right training. Even if I'm not training for a big race, just 30 minutes of cardio in a day. Um, there's a lot of science that suggests, hey, that's one of the best things you can do for your brain power, you can do for your happiness, for kind of your stress level. So even those of us that aren't, you know, ultra marathon runners, well, hey, I think still 30 minutes a day can be a great target. And whether that's a jog to the office, uh, an OFO or Mobike ride around the neighborhood after, after the workday, or uh, getting a brisk walk-in at lunch, whatever it is for you, I think making time for that's super important. And then, now, now we're actually getting to work. What works for work? Well, pl plan the work and then work the plan. And so the way that I do that, I time block. I like to get 
my brain's a little slow to get going and it's only once I've got some momentum around an idea do I actually put some good thinking behind it. And so for me, I like to get a two or three hour time block um, at least once a day. And frequently for me, you know, we've got a, a growing team, we're adding new folks all the time. And so I find kind of the, the 7 to 9.30 a.m. before the day really gets going for us, we, we have a late start here, that's a great time block for me. Um, simultaneously, if I'm feeling really stressed about a big deliverable or a big decision, I'll also try to get some time in an afternoon to work through it. Uh, in my uh, in my diet notebook, I'll I'll jot you know lots of pages worth of uh, worth of scratch notes here, as uh, as I go, and that that helps me um, clarify my thinking. That helps me be a more effective team lead, and actually reduces the stress by a long shot as well. And so time blocks to actually do good thinking, super critical. And then for each of your key team members, which if we're just starting up, it's it's everybody. Well, make time for a one to one. Uh, each and every day. And it might be as simple as a five-minute check-in. Hey, what's on your mind? How are things going? Or what's stuck? Anything I should know about? How else can I help you? Um, or it could be a little bit more, uh, you know, structured and a little bit, you know, it could be a 30, 60, 90-minute check-in um, as you go. But helping support folks, letting them know when you'll best support them, it uh, creates a, an expectation around that and that you empower folks more quickly. So instead of being drowned in, do you have a minute, you actually have time for some of that thinking. You have time to then empower folks to do some of that thinking and, and push through the uh, the challenge to get to the furthest point they can before they then come to you for that assistance. And that's one thing that's been a just a virtuous cycle. Our team is growing a lot uh, faster on individual uh, kind of developmental level because they're working through bigger and bigger challenges and they now have more confidence to do so more tools and uh, that, that that there's a multiplier there and two in the company. Um, additionally, I think being clear about what is critical now and what we can actually push to tomorrow or push to next week or next month because there are so many things that you could be doing and as a startup you know, a contributor or leader, Every day, there's more that could be done. But I think the critical element is to figure out what's the highest magnitude impact that also is the lowest resource allocation and figure out where on a coordinate plane that fits. And the higher the magnitude and the lower the resource, that's where we should uh, be investing. Whereas obviously things that are of less magnitude that require more work, let's figure out how we can put that off. And um, that's a really, really critical one that took me a couple of years to learn. I used to be, you know, doctor, yes, about everything, let's go chase it. But ultimately, you burn your own candle down and the battery, uh, you know, the, the energy reserves and the battery of your teammates gets diminished too. And so focusing more wood behind fewer arrows, as uh, my granddad liked to say, gives you a better shot to, to really hit your target and to hit it with uh, a meaningful essence. And so that, uh, those are a few ways that I've approached work-life balance. So start with fundamental sleep, good diet, good fitness, time block yourself so you have time to really, really think about what's most important. And then uh, also ensure that you're being a good team support too, because ultimately your team is, uh, that's your, your rocket fuel. It's going to take you to the next level. And so invest in the time they're in and then uh, picking those priorities carefully so that you can do a really good job on them. So you obviously have a lot on your plate, um, but it seems like you're having fun with most of it. Every day. Um, and so I'm wondering what's, what's next on your agenda? What's the next big challenge coming up? Yeah, I've, I've got two and they're both really firing me up. So the first one is a, a 250 kilometer ultra marathon. I'm going to be running in the Atacama Desert, driest place on the planet. It's in northern Chile, and I'll be doing that with my dad. So my dad, 65-year-old ultramarathon runner, my hero, my inspiration. And so uh, super, super fired about that. We're training together, and uh, this run is going to be the perfect lead-in to the biggest uh, thing I've ever done. It's called the World Marathon Challenge. And the World Marathon Challenge is running seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. 
And my aim with all this is to not only finish these marathons in uh, you know the best way I can, but also to tell stories around it. So I'm aiming to partner with National Geographic's Explorer Classroom to share with young people that the only limits that matter are those that we place upon ourselves, and that we each one of us can dream bigger and then do more and do it bigger uh, if we take it step by step by step. And I'm aiming to tell a series of stories around that in both the training and the lead up to all this during each race and then afterward as well. So for those people who are watching, you know, they see Dyad and they hear about your story and they're like, wow, that sounds really inspirational and they want to learn more, you know, maybe they're trying to figure out how they can get involved or hey. collaborate or something like that. What are the opportunities that are existing at the moment with Dyad? Yeah, we, we here at Dyad believe the best team wins. So we're always recruiting, looking for the best possible talent. And we have a lot of opportunities, especially for those aiming to learn more about China to get their feet wet in China and to potentially to relocate in China. Um, we are hiring both for our enrollments team to meet with families and students learning about their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, connecting them to the right university programs, the right scholarship opportunities, along with opportunities for our mentor team, both here in Shanghai HQ, along with anywhere on the planet. Work anytime, anywhere, from a cafe, from, a, uh, from your office, from your, your dorm room, from your, uh, uh, from your apartment for the opportunity to actually change the direction of someone's life by being a role model and inspiration and guiding them step by step by step, all while earning $40 per hour. So I think it's a perfect opportunity for someone to actually get plugged in, learn more about China, start building a network and resources. And we'd love for that opportunity to actually connect. And the best way to do so is actually email me, greg, G-R-E-G, -E at dia.com. I'll learn more about you and your background, your goals, and see if there's a fit, because we'd love to build the best possible team to solve this huge challenge of expanding education access.